Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Now let's go. I am excited. We have a guest today and her name is Sarah Moore. She's an internationally published writer, public speaker, certified parenting coach, and founder of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. She's also a world schooling and homeschooling mama. This is a gem. I am so glad to kick off interviewing people again and starting with Sarah. So, I hope you listen. There is some quirks with the audio as um, I'm a little bit out of the experience, but here we go. I'm on your website in the last week or so learning more about you because I know so much about like your Instagram presence um, and I love everything that you published on Instagram, but I was amazed by all your credentials and all the ways you've grown yourself. Were you you. always in education or how did you transition into parent coaching? Sure, good question. Um, I wasn't always in education. I did more, you know, I did about 20 years in corporate America um, before starting this chapter of my life. But all of it was really preparation for parenting. You know, when I was doing executive negotiations and trying to find common ground for people who felt like, you know, whatever. I was like, oh, I, I'm doing the same thing. I just have smaller clients <laughs> yeah. now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's all been preparation for it. And just in the past few, well, really, really since my daughter was born and I had sort of a, a game-changing discussion with a pediatrician who gave me some really, really bad advice. And like, you might have even read about it if you were on the site, but he basically told me, don't ever pick up your daughter if she cries, just leave her. And, you know, and I told him, no, I can't do that. And he said, get back to me once you're ready to get serious about parenting. And it was, it, it bowled oh, yeah. me over to the point where I was, like, I was so stunned for so long that when I finally came to and got my senses about me, probably a good month later, I thought, you know what, I am going to get serious about parenting but not in the way he intended. I'm gonna start learning about brain science, neuroscience, child development, gentle parenting. I want validation. I want to help other parents feel like when some make some poop like him gives them advice, they feel empowered to yeah. do better. So that was really the impetus for my getting into That's amazing. 
it's it's always shocking to me how you can take a hard moment where things just feel sticky. You're like, I would never do that. I never want to just let my kid cry there. Like, what do you mean? Like, that feels so wrong inside of my body. Exactly. To hear that and then to respond like, well, no, I'm going to go do research. I'm going to dig in. So if somebody gets that bad advice, right? Like we hear it from people at the grocery store. People are so quick to judge moms. So quick. Like we used to be judged, I joke that we used to be judged on jello salad and how we can make a martini. <laughs> right? <laughs> like if you watch Mad Men, those were the criteria. Um, but yeah, now, true. like our kids are the pedestal. Oh, the tiny waist, yeah. So we're judged on parenting all over the place. So when someone says a statement that feels wrong like that, where do you go first? How would you tell someone when you are given bad advice? Ah, well, first of all, it really helps to do a little quick check-in with yourself and ask, one of the questions that I actually learned from um, somebody named Byron Katie, I don't necessarily recommend all of her things for all things parenting, but there's a question she asks, is it true? So if somebody says something to me as a mama and I have an emotional response to it, be it positive or mm -hmm. negative, that's usually an indication that I need to ask myself, is this true? And if it's something positive and I decide, yeah, it is true, then fantastic. It feels good and we have all the validation we need. But if we have a negative reaction and we ask ourselves, is this true? It gives us a really good opportunity to examine the thought, to kind of lean into it and say, how do I know that this is true? What validation do I have? What further questions do I need to ask? Is this a reflection of something I'm doing? Is it a reflection of who I am as a human being? What's the core of the message here? And once I kind of pick it apart in my head a little bit, I can decide how much stock do I really want to put into this? And then I can decide, do I want to take it seriously? Do I want to take it personally? Or do I get to decide what I believe about this? And if I don't know, I can always say, I'm going to table this for myself right now and I'm going to do some more research and I'm going to process it and see how I feel later tonight, tomorrow morning, next month, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And from there, navigate around it. But I don't have to respond in the moment and decide just because I've received this judgment, therefore it must be true. It might be wrong. And that is often a possibility. So the part, the is it true question, that is so freeing to be able to pause and just say like do I even trust this to be true but the you don't have to respond right away and engage and bite the hook and that you can give yourself more time do you find that you need time to process things in regards to motherhood and parenting oh for sure yeah I mean I've always been a processor I, I'm one who needs to sit with how I feel with something I've learned that more often than not, if I have a big gut reaction, it's usually not the reaction I want to have. I mean, if it's, if it's elation, if it's joy, that's fantastic. But if it's something like, you know, my child has upset me and I'm tempted to have a big reaction in that moment, 
that usually doesn't serve either one of us. And the same is true for when I'm talking with another adult. If I feel myself have a big reaction to something they've said, it usually behooves us, and it's usually better for the relationship in the short term and the long term, if I intellectualize it and say, huh, how interesting, let me think about that, and then give myself a little bit of time and a whole lot of grace to process it in the way and at the speed that feels natural to me so that I actually come back with an authentic response rather than one in the heat of the moment. I love that. I like that phrase. Is that that's interesting or do you have other phrases you use when you feel like you need to pause a conversation? Yeah. Do you have catchphrases? Yeah, I do. I'm thinking of ones that I use even with my <laughs> husband because of course the people we live with are the ones who he's come up with the most. Um, sometimes I'll hear myself say things like, wow. And the beauty of wow, it's kind of interesting phonetically in that starts and ends with a consonant and has this long vowel sound in the middle. And by the time we get a good wow out of our system, we're at the end of an exhale. So there is a natural built-in pause by the time we come back to the inhale before we even can say another word. So sometimes simply that wow gives me a minute to process. And my husband, husband doesn't necessarily know he's in trouble when I say wow. He might think that, sometimes he might be right. But sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, I, I'm, I'm processing this and I'm gonna decide if my wow is, wow, that so doesn't work for me. Or wow, I've never thought about it that way before. That's a really interesting perspective. Wow isn't necessarily a negative or a positive, it's just a great pause word to buy some more time while you do a little bit of processing. Does your daughter use wow at all? Has she picked up on that? She has. What she's picked up even more is, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny to hear, oh my goodness, come out of this little mouth. But it's the same kind of concept. It takes a full breath to get it out. And then everybody kind of looks and goes, wow, what's going to come next? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a good one. So clearly that's one I say sometimes too. (laughs) I notice, right, there's the longer that I parent, that the the catchphrases I go through at different seasons start coming out of my kids' mouths. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't mean to teach you that necessarily. I was just practicing for myself, but I see that that skill has now helped you take a breath for sure yeah and I think the last one that comes to mind if we can have the presence of mind to do it is to pause for just a second and ask ourselves not necessarily out loud although you certainly can do it out loud out loud too but you can say is this an inside problem or an outside problem inside something Hmm. I need to process because it's based on emotional strife or some sort of discord that you are experiencing interpersonally versus an outside problem. Okay, Sarah, so what happens if someone does give you that bad parenting advice, you've given it space to think about and pause, where do you go to for the answers once you've decided that what they've said isn't true? How do you know, or how do you go into that questioning of, of what's next? That's such a good question. So. Here's the thing, the very best expert on 
who to trust when it comes to your child's development is your child themselves. It doesn't matter if your neighbor or your mother-in-law or your best friend comes to you and says, your child should be doing this thing by now, shouldn't they? Well, just because their child did doesn't mean that it's right for your child. The best resource we can possibly have is the one whose little eyes we can look into and say, does this work for you? If you asked my daughter when she was six months old, should you be sleeping through the night yet? She would look up at me, and if she had been able to articulate it, she would have said, heck no, mama, I'm here to wake you up every hour. And that would have been her reality. <laughs> and she was growing and thriving and smiling and rolling over and doing all of the things that six months old, quote unquote, should be doing. And the sleep part just wasn't where she was developmentally yet. So it didn't matter if my neighbor's baby was sleeping. Mine wasn't. So my child was the expert on herself. Similarly, as kids get older, whether they are 7 years old, 15 years old, or 25 years old, if there is something that other people think, oh, well, according to the book or according to what most kids do, and I'm making air quotes around most kids, mm -hmm. you know, it, it doesn't really matter what most kids are doing. Look at your child. Your child will tell you in their own way whether they are ready to read and write, whether they are ready to ride their bike yet, whether they are ready to, um, you know, go for a walk around the block without holding mama's hand. You know, there's nothing wrong and everything right with looking at the child in front of you because that child will give you the parenting advice you need if you simply pay attention and trust them and of course, you can help them learn skills, you can help encourage independence or whatever it is, but what we often find in child development is that the best way to foster independence in all of its forms is to let the child be as dependent as they want to be for as long as they want to be it so that they feel emotionally grounded enough to branch off and do their own thing when they're ready. And then honestly, we as parents have to decide that we're ready too, because it is a, a dance of connection, relationship, and attachment. But trust the child. The child is the best resource you could ever have when you get those should comments in your head or from others. That, that idea that dependence leads to independence, might have just blown someone's mind. Can you say that one more time, sure, Sarah? Absolutely. The key to fostering independence is to allow for deep dependence for as long and as much as the child needs it. Forcing independence too early, encouraging independence in ways that the child is not ready for, backfires. That's where you get the kid who is 5, 10, 15, 25 years old and beyond who has attachment issues because they haven't figured out they can rest securely in the relationship with, in the connection with, in the, in the true loving dependence of a secure and happy relationship with their primary caregiver. Once that relationship is secure and the child knows I can rest in this. My big person is going to let me develop it in my own time and my own pace. 
that's where I feel empowered and that's where I can grow best. That that gives me a whole wave of freedom as my seven-year-old is now scared to go to the bathroom by himself and we're standing outside the door like all of a sudden there's this this hesitation to go to that room by himself so we're like scaffolding how close we are to the restroom um like you can the door's open or not open their hand is there like you can see us but it's super interesting to hear that dependence in that strong connection is really what's needed for parenting because so often and maybe it's an american culture thing i've only lived in the united states we have this idea that independence is like the number one goal of everything for parenting but science doesn't say no, that does it, it really doesn't it particularly here in the united states we have perpetuated a false and frankly damaging belief that we need to push our kids to get out there on their own and excel and thrive in all of these independent, independent ways. But when we push children away, when we push them to a place where they, sure, they can do these things independently, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the emotionally solid footing to help them come back to center when they need to. This is where you end up with children down the line who say, yeah, I can achieve, I can achieve, I can achieve, but where is my happiness? Where is my attachment? Where is my sense of purpose? Because I never knew what to hold on to in the first place. It was ripped out of my little hands because I was made to be independent too soon when really there is nothing wrong and everything right, as I said, with allowing our children to rest in the security of our love and attachment let them take us into the bathroom with us for as many years as they need to. <laughs> we may not love it, but exactly. You know, I guarantee <laughs> you, when your son is 35 years old, he will not still be saying, hey, mama, I need to see your hand sticking into the bathroom. That would be highly <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> that wouldn't be, exactly. yeah, right. So he can rest in the confidence of mama's here, I'm safe. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for those tips. If parents are listening to this and realizing that they need to sure up that connection again, that they're that they may be pushed too hard on certain things and they feel that resistance with their kids, do you have easy not easy how do you reestablish connection if you feel like you push too hard? Mm, that is such a good question. Um, first of all, do less. Simplify. Simply be with the child. Spend time doing what they want to do. Don't feel like you need to come in as Pinterest mama with, oh, I, I found crafts for today. You know, connection doesn't come from Pinterest crafts necessarily. <laughs> connection comes from hey you're coloring you want to sit on my lap while you color and just let let them rest in your presence let them rest in your peacefulness it might be reading a story together on the couch it might be today we're not going to book anything today we're just going to spend time together and then the onus is on us to not use that quote-unquote free time to oh we're home i might as well do the laundry and the dishes and clean the house and whatever but really spend time 
being with the child and helping them trust that you're there. You can give them a yes day. I love yes days where just anything goes. Somebody wants cereal for lunch, hey, you have cereal for lunch. You want to play board games all afternoon, you play board games all afternoon. You just connect and show the child through your actions, I'm putting down my phone, you're what matters today, and your relationship is everything to me. I love you, and I want to build this back up with you. And if kids see that, and if they feel it, and if we most importantly are true to our word, Mm -hmm. follow through, that's where we can do a lot of the repair towards reconnection and more of an attachment from that point forward. It sounds so simple, but we know that it's not easy, right, to ignore the laundry and not sort through things and to put the phone in the other room far away, right? It's so easy to feel when you have someone's full attention and when they are divided, If a mom hears this and she says, okay, I want to do that. I want to have this yes day. Is there a tip for her to set herself up with being able to take that? Do you jump into a full yes day or can she just do it for like an hour or 10 minutes? That's such a good question. To your point, we can really feel when somebody is partially there emotionally, physically Mm -hmm. versus fully there. Pick a time, an amount of time that feels doable to you. I don't want to set you up to fail to fail in this endeavor. I want to be able to right. succeed. So it might mean for one day, not only put your phone in the other room, but physically turn your phone off and tell yourself, in two hours, I'm going to turn it back on. And if I've gotten any urgent messages, they will be there for me in two hours. It might be 15 minutes. You decide what works for you. But during whatever time period you determine, be fully present with your child. For me, it helps if I do it in smaller increments. I think I can do Mm -hmm. this for 10 minutes. Or sometimes I'll say, I'm going to check my phone again at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I give myself a really specific goal that's achievable. And then from there, I can add another goal on top of it. That's much easier and much more effective than I'm going to do this all day because I don't make the all day goals but I make the all day goal in 10 increments 10 minute increments at a time I like that it reminds me of how you prep for childbirth right like you don't think about the whole birth experience when you're learning about how to prepare for childbirth you learn how to manage one contraction at a time yes that the small chunks are what what's doable and what feels successful. So that that's really fantastic. So as you're doing this, Sarah, how are you taking care of yourself during the day? Are you able to build in self-care? Because every episode, I make sure I include a moment of self-care for a mom to try. And it can be as simple as laying down on the floor with your feet up, um, that the ideas have been wide ranging. So do you have something that you do? Yeah, I do two things kind of at the same time. While I'm at the breakfast table every morning, I take my cup of tea, I'm a tea drinker, 
and I make sure to not just hold it with one hand, but hold it with both hands. It helps me be more present. It's warming, you know, in my hands mm -hmm. and into my body. And I really, it brings me into the present moment. And I make sure to take some belly breaths because most of us do most of our breathing in our chest. That is not restorative breathing. That is basically panic breathing. And most of our life is spent in this heightened space. But when I take a mm -hmm. point to hold on to my tea and do belly breaths to bring myself into my parasympathetic nervous system, to calm myself, to ground myself, it is just this little thing I can do right next to my kid at the breakfast table. I don't have to go to some spa day. I can do it right there at the breakfast table and know that I'm doing something for myself that nothing and nobody can interrupt because it's breathing. It's just a matter of where I breathe and how conscious I am about it. I love that it's uninterruptible and that you can do it with your daughter right there next to you. Yeah. That is a really, really good tip. Because, yes, all day long, I take reminders to breathe. Because often it feels like you're holding your breath yeah. as a parent. Like, you're just kind of waiting. It's that hypervigilance of, of having little people around <laughs> and not really sure what they're up to and if they're physically safe. Because, you know, different kids are different levels of energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that breath is such a centering thing. Do you do it only once a day or do you have an afternoon cup of tea and do it again? I do it reliably once a day, but what I find is that when I do it in the morning, I'm more inclined mm -hmm. to do it again sort of by default at various points throughout the day without thinking about it. If I skip it in the morning, I get stuck in that not doing it pattern. Yep. But if I'm mindful about it, you know, I might say a prayer, I might do something else to kind of ground myself. But if I'm mindful about whatever it is I'm doing early in the day, it's more likely to carry through later as well. That is fantastic. How are you pausing to connect and have fun as a family right now? Sure. Um, well, let's see. One thing that we do a lot of is storytelling. We make up stories together, um, and something that's fun as a family, especially at dinner time, is we will do a version of round table storytelling where maybe I will make up the first sentence and I'll okay. pass the story to my daughter, and she'll make up the next sentence for what happens next, and then we pass it to my husband, and he makes up what happens third. And we continue going around the table, and we end up with a really silly, nonsensical story. But it's a fun way to connect. It takes the pressure off entertaining our child as parents. Mm -hmm. But it's also a good way to engage her, because it's fun for all of us. She doesn't get bored with all of the adult conversation at the table. And we yep. don't start to feel taxed or tired by always needing to have conversations at a seven-year-old level. So it's a really fun way for us to connect and play and be silly together. And then by doing that, we naturally create more tolerance in her for the times when we do afterwards maybe need to talk about something that adults need to talk about for a few minutes. 
I I love that it's so multi-age. As I think about the ages of my kids, that we could totally sit down and do that storytelling thing, and it would hit us all in a way that it's enjoyable. So thank you for such a applicable tip. Where can people find you best online, Sarah? I found you because of Instagram, my favorite social media platform. But where are the other places people can find you? Sure. Um, dandelionseeds.com with a hyphen. Dandelion-seeds.com is my website. And there they can find everything from blog posts to free expert interviews to I'm giving away a free parenting mini course. People can choose from one of more than 20 different topics right now and just pick whatever they want and take it for free. Um, and I certainly sell packages for those as well and have specials from time to time. So that's one good place. Um, Facebook on Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting, Twitter and Pinterest, Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting, and Instagram, as you know, Dandelion Seeds Positive Living because parenting wouldn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so there I am. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And I hope that people go find you in all those places. You, They will be direct links into the show notes. So for the people listening, you don't have to rush about writing things down. They're in the show notes. But thank you so much. You. Have a great day, Sarah. Thank you. Remember, parenting is way too serious to be serious all the time. I hope that this episode with Sarah gave you a couple of tips And please take her up on that free mini positive parenting course that she's giving away. Go check out her website. It's in the show notes. I'm so glad you're here with me. You want to take a deep breath before we go? Ready? Big belly breath. Please send this episode to two friends. Text it. Email it leave a rating and review. You matter, so take care of yourself. Because when you take care of yourself, together, we make the world a little bit better. Just because. Have an amazing day.